Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this week in our Hebrew series. So, I want you to go ahead, and we're going to get ahead a little bit, then we'll stop. Hebrews chapter 10. So, if you got your phones, you can go to the North Star Church app and uh, go to Hebrews 10 and go to North Star Church, Georgia. Or if you got the app, just go open the little sermon notes area. All the stuff's right there. If you got your Bibles, you turn to Hebrews 10. Uh, if you get to the maps, hang a left, all right? And go back a little bit, and you'll find Hebrews will be camped out right back there. You got a little card on the way in. That'll be our guide as we work along this morning. So keep that handy. Well, we got a little bit last week. We got, so last week as a church, if you're new here to North Shore, we pray about very specific things here at North Shore. Last week we prayed that the saints would lose and the patriots would lose. So we got half our prayers answered. I think we were responsible for the bad call against New Orleans, all right? And so I do think that. So at least they won't be in Atlanta next week. If you're a New Orleans fan, I'm sorry, just the way that it worked, all right? And so really sad about that. But today's a great day. Two reasons. Last service, we got to have a great friend of mine. Uh, he was the 1978 World Series hero named Brian Doyle with the New York Yankees hit 438 in the series. If you're a Yankees fan, he was here last hour. Brian's a great guy. He's friends with some of our North Star folks. He was in the last service. Today, I want to recognize a very good friend of mine. He's part of our, he and his wife, Carol, are part of our North Star family. Last night, he was voted the Cobb County Citizen of the Year, Mr. Tommy Alligood, Mayor Tommy. Would y'all congratulate Tommy today and let him know how proud you are. Wave, Mayor. Wave over there. There we go. Unbelievable. Unbelievable guy. And to my right this morning, to your left, Ryan Dyer, Coach Ryan Dyer, great friend of mine. He and Candy are phenomenal. And Kip and Natalie are a great part of North Star. But they've got the North Paulding High School 18 and five basketball team here today. Guys, would y'all wave over there? Would y'all welcome them to North Star this morning? It's great to have you guys. They are rolling. They are rolling. And so we're really glad to have them. So let me catch up with where we're at today. Hebrews 10. You know, there's times that you get encouraged by that arm around you, and you know it's that, that, that just that strong encouragement. To stick in there. We all need that. That was last week. It was that, hey, it's that friend coming alongside of you, and you slip your arm around them, and you're just going, all right, man, just stick in, hang in. You're going to make it. Don't quit on this. Don't stop on this. It's all good. That, that, that is a form of encouragement. There's another form of encouragement that gets a little more tense, right? There's another form of encouragement of going, let me tell you what stakes are in this. Let me tell you how important this is. Let me encourage you not to take this lightly. Those are those serious conversations, right? I mean, you, you had them with your kids when they were growing up. You probably had them if you're a student in here. I know right now we've got, gosh, 110 of our high school students and 100 plus of our middle school students that are up there, and they've had those with you. Those are those, those we called them come to Jesus meetings. Do y'all ever have those around your house? We, we said the kids would sit down at dinner and it's like, oh, Lord, this did not turn out well. All right, and so those were the conversations turned a little more serious. This week is one of those conversations in Scripture. Whoever the writer was of Hebrews spins it. And he goes, I want to tell you something today, and I don't want you to play with it. I don't want you to think it doesn't matter. I don't want you to think it doesn't have anything to do with you. 
This has everything to do with you. That, that's the tone this is written in. And it's not a tone of, I don't love you, but it's a tone of, I do love you. Sometimes with people you love, you have hard conversations. You have conversations you don't look forward to, but because you love them, you have the conversation. That's the letter. Remember, what we're reading today didn't have numbers and chapters and all that. It was just a letter. It was a letter about the faith. This group that's getting it was all new to the faith. This wasn't something they understood. They understood the Jewish way of life. They didn't understand this new Christian way of life. And this writer is writing them because now they're going through hard times. Now they're going through tough times, and they feel like they weren't prepared for it. And some of them are beginning to wave the white flag going, all right, I, I want out of this deal. I don't really want in. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start reading down in verse number 26. So would y'all stand with me today while we read this together? Hebrews 10, won't, we won't take long. You should sit in the next hour. All right, here we go. So Hebrews 10, we'll start reading in verse, I'm just kidding with you. All right, we'll start reading in verse 26. The writer goes on, he says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. All right, time out. What in the world does he mean? Does he mean that after we become a Christian, we'll never sin again? It's not what he said. Go on sinning deliberately means we know what we should do, but we blatantly choose to do otherwise. So, so when I was growing up, the, the phrase was, we thumb our nose at somebody. We're, we're like, well, I, I know this applies to you, but it doesn't apply to me. That's that. It's, I understand the stakes. I understand how important this is to God, but I, I really, for me, I don't really, I don't really care. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth here, there's no longer remains a sacrifice. Friends, meaning there's nothing that you can do for that person there's it's it's like, sort of like there's a there, there's no way out of that for them because they they choose they know they just choose not to want to believe but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries basically what he's saying is there is a punishment that that there is there's a great place called heaven and there's a there, there's an opposite place it's equally as bad well, my God, how would a loving God do that? Well, if he was a loving God, wouldn't he, would we really not want punishment for sin? Of course we would. Look at what he goes on to say, and anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So every, every person back then understood that in the Jewish culture, all you needed was two or three people to say you spoke against the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and you could be stoned to death. So he's saying this is even more important than what that law was. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Basically, here's what he's saying. When you've gone on sinning deliberately, here's what he means. You knew what Jesus did for you, but you really didn't care. You trampled it underfoot. You counted it as worthless. You're like, oh yeah, well, I mean, that's what my mom did, that's what my grandma did, that's what my grandpa did, that's what my friend did. It's not what I, we, we trample it underfoot. It's like we, we walk through a bloody crime scene not even caring what we saw, and we've got marking blood on our shoes from walking through something that cost someone their life, but to us, it's really not that big a deal. 
For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle. It's like these guys may feel at the end of a fourth quarter. I was watching their game the other night online, and you get tired, and it's the end of the athletic contest, and your legs are giving out on you a little bit. It's what he's painting the picture of. With suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had better possession and an abiding one. He said, there's some of you, your fates cost you everything. Your property was taken because these guys back then, it wasn't like, oh man, congratulations. You're a Christian, you're a follower of the way, man. That's awesome. We're all pulling for you. No, it cost you. It cost you your stuff. That's what he said. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure. And then this last verse. Man, it's truly, I'm looking across the room, I see a bunch of coaches in here. It's a coach speaking to a team. But we are not those who, what's the next phrase? What are the next two words? We are not those who shrink back. We aren't going to be the people that when tough times come, we're going to give out and want out. We're not going to be those people. That's what he says to this group. And are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. We aren't coming out of the battle. That's what he's saying. Tough times are going to strike us. Persecution's going to hit us. But we're not bending in and we're not bowing back. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, reality is this word is more fresh than the paper that hit our driveway this morning or the last update on Twitter two seconds ago. Father, these words crawl up and into our lives and speak truth to where we are today. So God, speak to us. We don't want to walk out of here and miss what you have to say. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a second, meet three people around you, would you? You can knuckle them, high-five them, say hello to them, then you can be seated. You know, it's, it's one thing to believe when life's easy, but it's a whole nother thing to believe when life's tough. It's one thing to go, yeah, 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 I'm all in my faith when life's all lining up for you. But when life's not lining up for you, you know, so every now and then at North Star, we'll do a sports illustration if you're new here. So every now and then I'll, I'll throw a sports illustration. But a couple weeks ago, I was watching the Bears play. Did y'all see the end of the Bears game? Kick goes up, going right to the goalpost, bangs off, falls out. It's easy to kneel and pray at the 50-yard line with the other believers from the other team when your team wins. But when you're the guy that just missed the kick, 
in Chicago, the land of love, right? And so these people that just love misfortune, right? But when I watched that young guy stand up for his faith, I thought that's a real faith. What's it mean to have a faith that endures? What's it mean to have a faith that when the tough times come? So let me ask a question, universal question. How many of y'all walked through a tough time in 2018? Raise your hand. How many of you walked through so many tough times in 2018? You should put up two hands, all right? You feel like, dear Jesus, get me out of 2018. How many of y'all have lived long enough in 2019 to walk through a tough time? Raise your hand. Tough times come, don't they? They don't ever tell you in advance when they're coming. They never go, hey, by the way, two weeks from now, real tough time's coming. You might want to ramp up a little bit, right? So it's not, it's not going into a class at school and the professor or the teacher gives you your syllabus for the semester and they said, on these three dates are your tests. Those are great classes because you know, I got to be prepared for this. The worst thing you ever hear in school is clear your desk, take out a blank sheet of paper, Right, y'all remember? You remember that feeling of going, that paper's gonna be blank when this quiz is over, all right? And so, so I have no idea what I'm writing down. Pop quizzes come in our faith all the time, into our faith. How do we have a faith that endures? Number one, I know Jesus personally, not just factually. See, the writer begins right into this group of people. They knew it here, but didn't know it here. They were, here's the word I want you to write under number one, ready? They were familiar with who Jesus was. And then they knew the story. They were familiar with who Jesus was. Yes or no question? All right, a little softball I'm gonna throw out to you this morning. Is there a difference between knowing Jesus here and knowing Jesus here, yes or no? Yes. Here is knowledge here is a relationship. There's a lot of people I know from watching television. Then there are those people that I know personally, right? I mean, we're friends. We, we, have, we're, we, we have a relationship. See, what was happening in this early group was there were those who knew the story of Jesus, but not here with Jesus. See, the reality of life is this. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this to you because we're all friends today. We've all got to figure out who he is to us. And that's only a choice you can make. My, my college baseball coach, Bobby Richardson, they had a Bobby Richardson day when he retired with the Yankees. And they said, coach, you, or not coach at the time, he said, Bobby, anything you want, you could, you could have. And he said, I want to do a chapel service. The very first baseball chapel service that ever happened was because of this day in New York. And they met at the hotel, and he brought in a guy named Billy Zioli to speak to the Yankees. And you had Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and Moose Scourin and Whitey Ford and, and the list of the greats, Tony Kubek. And Billy Zioli stood up in front of these Yankee phenoms we've read about and watched movies on. He said, we have three options in life. One is to say yes to Jesus. And that's that part of life when you 
turn your life over to him. And coach said, I remember Bobby Mercer, a young up-and-coming player with the Yankees who pre, in that preseason had said yes to Jesus. He had, he had spring training that year, said, Bobby, I want to I wanna make Jesus my Lord and Savior. But then he said, we have those in the room that say maybe. Well, I, you know, I want to, but I'll do it later. And he said, I, I still remember Coach telling the story. He said, I remember Billy, Billy Zioli writing on this whiteboard and just marking out maybe. Our maybe is really just a no. I'll do it later. And he said, in that room were lots of people that had said no. We've all got to make a decision on who Jesus is to us. Look at what he said. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins we know sorry but we don't know right i mean we we know intellectually but man deep in our hearts we don't know it's one of the toughest places to be and the writer has all kinds of things to say about that i was 14 when i figured that out that my parents' faith was great, but it wasn't my faith. I made that step at 14. Some of you did it at 60. Some of you did it in your 30s. Some of you did it in your 20s. But we all come to that point of going, who is Jesus to me, right? Point number two, I trust in the dark what God told me in the light. The light's going to go out in your life. That's going to happen. There's going to be a point where, man, things are good, and there's going to be a point where it's like, boom, the lights go out. It could be health. It could be family crisis. It could be marriage. It could be kids. It could be job. It could be, I mean, we could be a million things. And it, for some of y'all, it could be all of the above, right? I mean, it could be a little bit of all of those things. When those lights go out, your faith is what you hold on to if it's there. And sometimes in the dark, all we know is the most simple things that pull us through. Look at, look at the way the writer said it. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. You know the hardest part about those hard times is you can't see the next step in front of you. And listen, sitting in church, it sounds good, man. It, man, we sing it, it's like, man, if I can hear Seth sing anything, I'll believe it, all right? And so I'm all, I'm all in, That's, I'm good. If I see Steph, I, I'm, yes, I'm in. But then the lights go out and we go, man, I don't know, my career's over. My job changes. My child's diagnosed with. My marriage, I found out. The doctor said, we stand at a tombstone we never expected to stand at with somebody that we thought would be here forever. And those lights go out. 2017, I remember I told the story last week. It made me think about it, thinking of this week. I was standing on a baseball field. I had a baseball uniform on and getting ready for practice. 
call comes about my dad. I fly down to Fayetteville, run down to Fayetteville, find out it's not good. We're standing at Grady Hospital knowing he's not going to make it. I mean, it was just a matter of taking him off life support at that point. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, the nurse and the little worker walking in, and she looked at my brother, my sister, my mom, and I, and she said, do you need a chaplain or a pastor? And I remember my sister going, my brother's here, he's a pastor. That's what she said. Because when you are in ministry, you're the designated prayer for your family, all right? And so it's just how it works. No matter what family event, Michael, pray. I don't want to pray right now. I want to eat. I don't want to pray, all right? And so that's just how it works. So I'm standing there, and I remember going, I don't want to be that. I want somebody here with me to remind me of what I believe. I was right where you lived. I was, I was sitting right there. I want you to write this little thought down. Ready? In good times, we grow our knowledge. In bad times, we use it. That's what he's telling the church. In good times, you grow your knowledge. That's what we're doing here today. In bad times, we use it. Man, we've had those rough times with our kids and stuff growing up and, and with, while they're growing up. And I remember Ann and I would sit and I would go, man, I don't know what we're going to do. And she's, she'll say, man, didn't you have a sermon on that one time? I'm like, I don't want to apply that now, right? I mean, we're being parents here. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes to take these things and put them in our life. I trust in the dark what God told me in the light. And number three, I must stay convinced that God has not finished writing my story and his story. I must stay convinced God's not finished writing my story and his story. Here's the phrase I want you to put under there. Don't press pause. Don't press pause. If you freeze that frame, you may not like the story. If you punch pause, you're not going to know the end of the story. you got to keep living the story. Don't, I'm telling you, lots of people have quit the journey because somewhere along the way, they press pause. Marriage got real bad. Pause, it's never going to change. Guess what? It ain't ever going to change if you push pause. What you see in front of you is what you will choose to believe if you push pause. Don't snap an Instagram shot and think that's the whole story. We got to see the whole story. We got to watch this thing play out while we're living. It's hard. See, what was happening was this group of people, their houses were being plundered for their faith. They were taking their stuff and the writer's going, you know what? You don't need that stuff anyways. It's just stuff. Have we all lived long enough to know stuff's just stuff? Have y'all lived long enough to know that yet? That it can be done away with, right? It can be gone like that. You ain't taking, there is no heavenly U-Haul. Everybody knows that, right? And so you ain't taking any of it. So there just doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's just stuff. But it's important to us. Stuff's important to us. We, were, we, we moved this summer after 18 years in the same house. You just forget what junk you got, right, after 18 years. And it's just been piled away. And so we were moving, so we created the keep, throw away file. 
and then I created the, I'll get back with you later on it, file, all right? And so that's the, I, I, I know it's not important, but I want to keep it, file, have y'all, have y'all, how many of y'all have moved lately? Raise your hand if you've moved, yeah. Your, your marriage has been in turmoil, all right? And so anyway, so this is the, this is the, I want to keep, and I remember we were going through our stuff, and we're like, keep throwing. Some of us like, oh, I can't believe we still got that. We're going to throw it away. And then we got to the box of my trophies from growing up, all right, which I'm 29. It was just a couple years ago, all right? And so uh, these are the trophies from growing up. And, and at 14, we won the, the state, y'all all knew this, right? The state championship, ABC baseball. There's like 400 different state championships, but we were one of them, all right? And, and Ann's like, surely you're not keeping that trophy. And I, that went into the, I'll get back with you later. Guess where that trophy's at? It's at my house now, right? And so why? Because I just held on to it. But I think what we've learned is this stuff. I don't need any of that. It's up in the doggone attic. I'm just storing it to, till the next move, right? The writer's looking at this early church and he's saying, let me tell you something that lasts. I want everybody to get this. What you do with people lasts. That's a heavenly reward. What you do with people. Therefore, don't stop living your story. Everybody look at me and I don't want anybody to miss this. Sometimes your toughest time, you do your best work living out your faith for other people. See, we want other people to look at our faith during the good times. Sometimes it's during those tough times they see our faith the most. Looking at some good friends straight back that lost their house to a fire up in Canton last summer. Not what they would choose to wake up to on a morning. But there were friends of theirs that saw their faith during that fire more than they saw their faith during the sunshine. That's what he was saying to the people. Don't punch pause on your story. Let your story play out. And I want you to write this under number three, and we're done. Your story matters to somebody. That's why he said, don't forget those who are in prison. I saw what you did for those who were in prison. You didn't have to go do that. You didn't have to go live out your faith for them, but you did it. God's not finished. God's going to reward God always keeps his promises. So I want you to pick your chin up. I want you to poke your chest out. And I want you to keep walking. The story isn't over and you're not over. Come on, let's go. That's what he was saying. Embolden your faith. I know you're doubting it. I know you're questioning it. Because what was happening back then, people were just bleeding off. They're like, I'm out, man. This is way too hard. I'm out. There's too much persecution. I'm out. There's too much challenge. I'm out. There's too much I'm walking through. And he's going, hey, one day in 2018, 2019, in Ackworth, Kennesaw, Georgia, there's going to be a group of people that are here because you keep living out your faith. You ever wonder what would have happened if any of these people would have quit? We may not be here. You ever thought about that? You wouldn't even know the story. We know the story because they kept walking. So here's my question to you. Where are you at in the story? You one of those that maybe go, man, Mike, I've, I've never come to that point where I've asked Jesus in my heart. Or maybe I've asked Jesus in my heart, but man, the tough time's about to do me in. Here's what we'd say to all of you today. Keep walking. Would you pray with me?
Father, today we, uh, we just stop. Because what a shame it would be to gain everything there is on this earth. Every fame, every fortune, every bit of stuff. Pile it up in a box we can't take with us. God, I don't ever want somebody to come to North Star and miss Jesus. God, I want them, if they walk through these doors, Compass True North or high school service, middle school service, children's service, preschool, I want them to know who you are and to have to figure out who you are to them. Maybe you're sitting out here today and you say, Mike, I've never met Jesus. Then I'll just flat out be straight with you. I don't know him but I want to. I want to meet him. Scripture says it really clear. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not the right word. It's not the right prayer. It's going, Jesus, I want you. That's that heart prayer. If that's you here today, I want to introduce you to a simple, it's really simple but it changed my life. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that with me? I need you. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. Would you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. I ask you in today. If today you prayed that prayer with me for the very first time, I want you to look up right where you are. I want you to look up. On that screen to my right and to your left, those screens, is a phone number. Would you text follow to that number? Would you with your name so we can tell you what's next about following Christ? Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I'm just in that season of the lights have gone out. But I don't want to quit my journey. And would you just tell the Lord right now? Father, today we love you. Father, today we are thankful for what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.